Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Amanda. She's 37, married with two kids, and works part-time. She's been suffering with insomnia for the last five years and is really at the end of her rope. It takes her over two hours to fall asleep at night, and just as she feels like she gets to sleep, she's awake again with a racing mind and then tosses and turns the rest of the night. As you could probably imagine, she's exhausted during the day and has to rely on caffeine just to stay awake. She doesn't feel like she could be fully present at work or with her kids and is literally just watching her life go by. She tried most sleep medications on the market, but they gave her a sleep hangover in the morning. She also tried antidepressants as they could sometimes work on sleep, but they didn't work for her. Amanda also looked into natural solutions and tried taking melatonin, but that actually made her groggy. She couldn't figure out how she could slow down her very fast and active mind. After meeting Amanda... I saw that she had a lot on her plate and was not managing stress well. So we tested her adrenal glands, those are the glands that deal with stress, and found that her cortisol level, which is our stress hormone, was very elevated. We used phosphatidylserine, a supplement to lower cortisol, and various adaptogenic herbs to help balance her adrenals. Now, while she felt a bit calmer, her sleep did not improve dramatically. My sense was that supplements alone were not going to put out the stress fire. We needed to dig deeper and find what else was missing in order to solve this health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler. And this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Amanda. I suspected that we needed other tools to lower her cortisol and calm her nervous system and overactive mind. Joining me today on the show is Emily Fletcher. She's a world-class meditation teacher. She's the founder of Ziva Meditation, and she's the author of Stress Less, Accomplish More, Meditation for Extraordinary Performance. Like many of the experts I interview on the show, Emily has been such an inspiration in my life and my healing journey. I'm just so excited to share her expertise with all of you. Emily, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And today we're discussing Amanda's insomnia and going deeper and exploring the connection of stress on insomnia and exactly how we could support this in a way that's natural, effective, and also attainable. Emily, why do you think that insomnia is so prevalent in our society today? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I think that 
the first and perhaps most overwhelming is technology. You know, we're looking at our phones and our laptops all day. So we have this blue light coming into our eyes all day and long after the sun goes down. And that blue light coming out of our computers and our phones makes the brain think that the sun is out. And so it makes us think that it's daytime, even when it's 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And it takes the brain and body quite a bit of time to wind down from that. So I think that's one big reason. I think certainly people who live in cities are being inundated with Wi-Fi and EMF networks. And so I think some people are very energetically sensitive to that. I, I know in my building, I live in a New York City apartment building, there are 24 Wi-Fi networks available in my building. And I'm pretty sure that that is terrible for my brain. And I think that also our diet has a big piece to play with this. Most of us are exhausted. And so we're caffeinating ourselves all day and eating a bunch of sugar to fight fatigue. And then that winds us up. And then I also think that we're sleep deprived. So then insomnia becomes this cycle, right? It's you don't sleep enough at night and then you're so tired the next day. And then your body has to produce a bunch of adrenaline and cortisol to keep you going because you are so exhausted. And then the very thing that kept you going during the day because of the exhaustion is the thing that makes you have more exhaustion because that adrenaline and cortisol disallow you from going to sleep at night. You know, I have a six month old son and, and there are some schools of thought around raising babies that you have to get them to their nap. You have to get them to bed before they're tired, before they're rubbing their eyes, before they're crying, because by the time they're crying and rubbing their eyes, they're, they're stressed and their adrenals and their, their adrenaline and cortisol have kicked in. And then that disallows them from slipping easily into a nap. Yeah. And speaking of the adrenal connection and the cortisol, can you walk us through the neuroscience of stress and how exactly is that connected to insomnia? Sure. So when we get stressed, the body basically starts preparing for a predatory attack. You know, it thinks there's a bear or a lion or a tiger about to jump out and eat it. And so when, when we get stressed, we go into fight or flight. And so our, our digestion floods with acid, which shuts down our digestion, our skin gets acidic, which is why, you know, stress can lead to premature body age, our, and also like digestive issues. Um, then our immune system goes to the back burner because who cares if you're going to get cancer, you need all hands on deck to fight or flee the tiger. Um, you know, adrenaline and cortisol go up and it's really that last piece. It's the adrenaline and cortisol that impact insomnia in such a serious way, because if your stress hormones are off and your circadian rhythm is off. It's like that the circadian rhythm is the master gear that controls all the other gears of the body. And so it's, it's almost a bit of a chicken in the egg. You know, is it, is it the stress that's causing the insomnia or is it the insomnia that's causing the stress? And it's, it's the answer is probably both. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Now, Emily, you've taught over 15,000 people how to meditate. So you are quite the meditation expert. Can you explain why meditation is so helpful for stress and sleep? And also how meditation is actually different than mindfulness? Mm -hmm. So where I think this gets confusing for people is that people are, are using the terms mindfulness and meditation as synonyms when they're not actually the same thing. I would define mindfulness as the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. And mindfulness is very good at dealing with your stress in the now. Like, oh, my boss yelled at me. I feel stressed. Let me listen to my 10 minutes of my guided app on my phone. And I feel better in the now, like a state change. Like if you have a headache and take an aspirin. Now, this is quite different different than meditation as I would define it. And certainly different than what we teach at, Z at Ziva, which is 
all about giving your body deep healing rest, rest that's actually five times deeper than sleep. And so when you're in it, it feels like a supercharged power nap sitting up. Uh, but then afterwards, you not only have more energy, but you've used that time that meditation time as a time for stress release, which in turn allows you to use your sleep as a time for sleep. And so I'd say the number one benefit that people receive when they come to Ziva is, um, you know, an improvement in their sleep, uh, a lessening of the hours of sleep that they need a night or an eradication of insomnia. And I don't know if that's just because it was my story, which I'm happy to share in a moment. If we just happen to attract a lot of people that are dealing with insomnia, or if this is global to where people start meditating and their sleep really improves. But for most people, the most effective form of rest that they have is sleep. And so they go to bed at night and then the body needs to use that sleep time as a time for stress release, because inevitably we're living in a high stress, high demand time. And so when you give your body a bit of rest, it knows how to heal itself. And one of the things that it heals itself from is stress. And when stress starts leaving the body, it launches into a little bit of activity. The body launches into activity. And then the mind corresponds with activity. Now, what is mind activity? Thoughts. So our brain is off to the races. We're off on a trail of thinking. And then it's 6 a.m. and we haven't slept a wink. That's basically what insomnia is for most people. There are different types of it, but I'm just talking about the most common type. It's that your body is using your sleep as a time for stress release. And so when we start to insert a meditation into our lives, then we use that meditation time as a time for stress release. So we can use our sleep as a time for sleep. And I have a bunch of students who have uh, body data monitoring devices, you know, like a Fitbit or an Apple watch that's tracking the depth of their sleep. And for most folks before starting Ziva, their sleep patterns look like this. They go light, medium, deep, wake up, light, medium, deep, wake up, light, medium, wake up. And that takes them eight or nine hours. They wake up and they're exhausted. Now, after doing Ziva, what their sleep patterns look like is light, medium, deep for six hours, medium, light, wake up. So they've shaved the amount of time that they need off of their sleep, but it's also become more efficient because it's become deeper and more restful. So this is another benefit is that you, where you used to need eight or nine hours of sleep, you might need more like seven or eight. Uh, and so it's, and you don't feel tired during the day because your sleep is, is better for you. And then also you have the meditation time that you're inserting during the day, which again, feels like a power nap. So you have this hit of energy and productivity afterwards. I love what you're saying. And what I really want my listener to hear is that if you're using meditation to release stress, then you can use sleep for sleep and not for stress release, mm -hmm. which is just such a great, great concept. Mm -hmm. um, Emily, now that we know the benefits and the whys, let's talk about the hows. And I'm going to be honest here. I've tried meditation several times and failed miserably each time. I've always thought that in order to meditate, I had to clear my mind. And I think all the time, it's really hard for me to do that. So I would sit down and the minute I would try to stop thinking, even more thoughts would come. People would say, well, focus on your breath. Try and, you know, if you get a thought, just watch it and allow it to go away. I tried that. I would thank it for coming. I would watch it leave, but then I would think about it leaving. And then I would think about myself thinking about leaving and the whole thing just went downhill. That was the end of that. So what I love about your teaching is you say that thoughts are not the enemy. 
this single concept completely changed my relationship with meditation. And I think it can really shift the view for many of our listeners too. So I know it did for Amanda. Please tell us what is the deal with thinking? <laughs> so this is absolutely the number one most common misconception about meditation is that people think that the point is to clear the mind. And what we're doing here is that we're confusing the results with the process. Now, meditation is going to help you to feel more clear on the other side. You're going to feel more clear about your goals. You're going to be able to focus on things, but that does not mean that you have to clear your mind during the practice, right? So the mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. So trying to give your brain a command to stop thinking is as impactful as trying to give your heart a command to stop beating. It does not work. <laughs> and yet this is the criteria by which everyone is judging themselves as to whether or not they can meditate. And then they sit down and they're like, okay, brain, stop thinking just like you did. They're like, hmm, sure would like a snack. Snacks are delicious. Oh, wait, I suck at meditation. I quit. And then meditation <laughs> becomes just another thing on a long list of health hacks that we've tried and failed at. And then we think we don't have time for but if you believe that the mind thinks involuntarily, then you will be more gentle with yourself. You'll allow yourself to have thoughts during the meditation and you'll come back to the technique that you're using. And then it feels much more enjoyable, much more effortless. And then you stop feeling like a failure and you just do it. And then your whole life gets better. And this is really how people will they'll say, well, Emily, if it's not about clearing my mind, if I'm allowed to have thoughts and how do I know if it's working? I'm like, well, your whole life gets better <laughs> and you start to have more time in your day. So if those things are happening, if it's worth the return on your time investment, then chances are this is a technique that is good for you. Um, but if you're not getting a return on your time investment and your life is not improving, then chances are you want to find a different style of meditation. Got it. Now, you say thoughts are not the enemy. What about noise? How can that inhibit meditation? Good news. Noise is no barrier to meditation. Anywhere you can think a thought, you can use the Ziva tools. And if you can use the Ziva tools, then you can meditate. So really anywhere you can think a thought, you can meditate. So that means in Times Square, on a bus, on a train, with your kids playing in the room next to you, you know, in the middle of your open floor office plan, you know, pop some headphones into your ears with no music and just meditate. Now, this is obviously if you have training. I would not recommend that people just go off in the middle of Times Square and sit down and try to do a magical meditation practice that doesn't require any training. You know, this rule only applies to people who actually have a technique that is designed for them and have invested the time to learn how to do it. Once you have that, then you can do it anywhere, anytime. Um, but I think where this gets frustrating for folks is that they never take the time to learn. And meditation is really like any other skill. And then they sit somewhere and they try to clear their mind and then all the thoughts, I'm sorry, all the sound leads to noise in the mind and then the, you know, the noise in the mind is too many thoughts and they feel like failing. But once you have a technique and once you have some training, then you start to realize, oh wait, I can do this thing anywhere. And the sound is not a barrier and the thoughts are not the enemy. And you feel a little bit more energized afterwards. And then it becomes this thing that you look forward to. It starts to become a non-negotiable part of your day. How long does it typically take to learn meditation and how can people learn meditation from you, Emily? 
So lots of different ways. I have a book coming out on February 19th. It's called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And it's all about meditation for extraordinary performance. And so that's uh, one way that folks can learn. We also have an online course called Ziva Online. And that only takes about 15 minutes a day for 15 days. And then we also have our live course, which is two hours a day for four days. Now, the beautiful thing about all three methods of learning the book, Ziva Online or Ziva Live, is that when you graduate, you have the technique to take with you for life. You have this beautiful trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting, and you have these tools where you can do them in a self-sufficient way for the rest of your life. You're not dependent on me or some guru or a studio or a hypnotherapist or a gong or incense, all you need is a chair or not even a chair. You just need a place to sit once you graduate. And then you have this powerful, you know, brain and body changing technique to take with you for life. I love that you have something for every budget and that people can access you from anywhere in the world. That's really great. Thanks. It's been a long time in the creation process. I've been working on, you know, building these resources for eight years now, but it does feel exciting to have, you know, a $20 option, a $300 option and a thousand dollar option. Like it's just whatever level of commitment people are ready for, wherever geographically they are, you know, there's now something for everyone. And so they can, in theory, learn meditation in person, which would take how long? In person is two hours a day for four consecutive days. Okay, so eight hours or mm -hmm. online, you said it was 15 days. It's 15 minutes a day for 15 days. Mm -hmm. And then the book, I guess, however long however it takes. However fast to you read. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, you know, the audio book, I think, is a good uh, sort of gauge. And I think the audio book is going to be about four to five hours. So reading it might be, you know, seven or eight. So if you really committed to reading, let's say, 30 minutes a day, you could do it in two or three weeks. Which is amazing because if you think about it, you can learn this powerful tool in less than three weeks and then mm -hmm. you're completely self-sufficient. I really, really love that. Mm -hmm. What do you say who those who tell you, Emily, I'm just too busy to meditate? Oh, you mean every human on the planet Earth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody thinks they're too busy to meditate. And largely this is because people are trying styles of meditation that aren't worth the time investment. They download a free app, they do it for six days, their life does not get better, and then they quit. But um, if you actually have a technique that is designed for you, and if you invest on the front end, the time to learn how to do it properly, then you're going to notice that your return on time investment is exponential, that you start to have more time in your day. Your immune system works better. Your sleep is more efficient. You have more energy, more creativity, more flow state. So your to-do list that used to take you five hours starts to take you two or three. And so you know, for a, a 30 to 45 minute time investment, you now have hours back in your day from needing less sleep, from your to-do list taking less time, from not, you know, losing your temper on your kids and having to have an hour long sit down apologizing. You know, all these mistakes that we make when we're stressed, all of the time that we waste being sick and anxious and depressed and worried and speculating, all that time we get back. People think they don't have enough time because they're not usually firing on all cylinders because stress makes you stupid. Like that is just the harsh reality. Stress makes us stupid, sick, and slow. And so you can either believe that you're too busy to meditate or you can believe that stress makes you stupid, sick, and slow, but you can't believe both of those things at the same time. 
And what I've experienced for me personally, and now from my 15,000 students, is that if you make this front end investment in learning how to meditate, then you actually start to have more time in your day. And bonus feature, you start enjoying your life. <laughs> it's not this like horrible slog for the some perceived payoff in the future, which is how a lot of people live their lives. And this I'll be happy when syndrome, you know, I'll be happy when I get this job. I'll be happy when I make a million dollars. I'll be happy when my you know, sickness isn't as intense. I'll be happy when my kids are grown and, and we just wish our lives away. And what meditation does is that it allows you to get very present in the right now. It allows you to flood your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals, which make you feel better, but it also allows you to enjoy your life right now. So you stop feeling like you're so busy because you're not just chasing your tail, chasing some imaginary carrot that doesn't ever actually come. Now your Ziva technique walks people through the mindfulness and meditation, which we talk a lot about today, but you also have what you call the dessert portion, which is the manifestation. And I think this is something people may not be as familiar with. Can you tell us what is manifestation and why is it important and helpful, especially in cases of insomnia? Sure. So manifesting is simply consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And we're not so good at doing that as humans. We're really good at complaining and we're really good at worrying, but we're not so good about dreaming. Well, how much money do I want to make this year? What's my dream relationship with my body look like? What's my dream relationship look like? Where do I want to go on vacation? We don't ask these questions. We ask like, well, why did she get a raise and I didn't? Why don't I have a boyfriend? Why can't I lose this weight? And if you ask terrible questions, you're going to get terrible answers. And so manifesting is simply being very disciplined about taking time each day right after the meditation to ask better questions and to imagine your dreams as if they're happening now. Imagining your dream as if it is the current reality, which changes the whole frequency, the whole vibration of your cells, and it allows mm, your dreams to show up a little bit more elegantly. That's great. Thank you for that explanation. You know, I think there's just so much misinformation out there about both meditation and manifestation. And I'm just so grateful for the work that you do and to help to explain and teach all of this to us. You know, with everything you present today, it's hard to think of a reason not to meditate, right? I, I, honestly, I, here's, here's a reason not to meditate is if you are dealing with very severe uh, depression, or if you are suicidal, or if you have very recent intense trauma, then I would be very cautious about what types and how you learn to meditate. And I might actually recommend that in those cases that you start with some mindfulness. And I would also recommend that people learn face-to-face -face if they're dealing with very, very intense trauma, just because the meditation style that I teach, there can be a bit of a catharsis that happens. There can be, be an emotional and physical detox that comes with the practice. And if someone's dealing with very intense depression and recent trauma, and they try to learn to meditate from a book and they don't have any support or face-to-face -face community, then it might be a little overwhelming. That detox process might be a little much. Um, so, so that's the only reason I can think of to not meditate, but everyone else should really be meditating. <laughs> I completely agree. And this is something mm -hmm. that helped Amanda so much and improved her insomnia drastically, very, very quickly. And you had a bout with insomnia too. Do you want to share a little bit about that? 
Sure. So before I became a meditation teacher, I was on Broadway for 10 years and my last show was a chorus line. And my job was to understudy three of the lead roles, which means you have no idea what's going to happen when you show up to work at, each night. And this stress started leading to insomnia. I was dealing with insomnia for about 18 months. I could not sleep through the night. And life is hard when you're tired. It's Everything feels like a slog. Everything, it's hard to know what's real. Your emotions are all over the place. Your hormones are all over the place. It's hard to lose weight. You know, everything is tricky when you're tired. And, and I was very confused why I was living my dream and miserable. And then I found meditation thanks to the woman sitting next to me in the dressing room. Um, she had a harder job than I did, but she was doing it so effortlessly and so elegantly. And I was like, girl, what's your secret? And she said, I meditate. And I didn't really believe her at first, but finally my insomnia got so bad that I thought, well, I have to try something. So I went along to this intro to meditation talk and I liked what I heard. I signed up for this four day course on the first day of the first course I was meditating. I didn't know what that meant, but I was in a different state of consciousness than I'd ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since, and that was 11 years ago. And then I stopped getting sick. I didn't get sick for eight and a half years. I stopped going gray. I stopped getting injured and I started enjoying my job again. I started enjoying my life again. But I always say to folks, if, in, if curing my insomnia was the only thing that meditation had done for me, it would have been enough. But then the ripple effect of cured insomnia is huge. You know, your inflammation goes down, your immune system can start to work better you feel better, you start making better decisions, you're happier, you know, so it's, it's that, that one ailment can really, it can mess up a lot of things. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And once you're feeling better, then it's that ripple effect on not just yourself, but your family, your coworkers, your friends, everyone else. Look, this is, this is a huge, like, so the, the whole, I wrote the book in three parts. The first part is all the selfish reasons why we come to meditation, why it can help your sex and your sleep and make more money. And you know, all the neuroscience behind why stress makes us stupid. And then in part two, I actually teach the trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. But in part three, we pull the lens back and we look at the ripple effect of how does you meditating, how does you improving yourself impact your partner? How does it impact your kids, your family, your coworkers, your town, and then ultimately the world itself? Because if we have a lot of stressed out individuals, this is going to be a stressed planet. But if we have a lot of blissed out, rested, happy individuals, what do we think the ripple effect of that is going to be on industry, on politics, on climate change? And so you know, cause yes, selfishly, we all want to feel better, but I like for people to see that meditation is actually the least selfish thing that we can be doing. It's actually the most generous thing you can do because your family, your friends, your coworkers do not want a sick, tired and stressed version of you. They want you happy. They want you healthy. They want you present. And if you're not taking the time to take care of yourself, then you're actually stressing the people out around you. What a great way to look at it. Thank you. Emily, thank you so much for being here and helping us explore the connection between stress and insomnia and ways we can support this naturally through meditation. Please check out Emily's book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, Meditation for Extraordinary Performance, as well as her courses, both in person and online at zivameditation.com. Emily, thank you so much. What a joy to be here. Thank you for having me. An overactive mind and an upregulated nervous system was responsible for Amanda's insomnia. And learning a technique to calm that was just what she needed. I'll tell you more about how it all worked for Amanda in just a second. 
But first, if you want to contact or find out more about my guest, Emily Fletcher, please visit healthmysterysolved.com and go to episode number five. That's where you will find all the detailed show notes so you could reference everything we talked about and you'll see links to all the resources we discussed as well. Now back to Amanda. I can certainly empathize with what she was dealing with because I've had my share of sleepless nights. And for those of you that are suffering with insomnia, I'm sure you get the frustration. It's so difficult to function during the day when you don't get enough sleep and being exhausted for days on end is just no way to live life. While adrenal support through supplementation didn't completely fix it, I'm happy to report that learning meditation and adopting a daily meditation practice completely shifted Amanda's sleep patterns. Within two weeks of starting meditation, she slept through the night. I still remember the call I got the next morning. She was just overjoyed. When you're dealing with something for a long time and it finally shifts, it's such an amazing feeling. Amanda continued meditation while still working on her adrenal glands, and her sleep kept improving each day. She's now sleeping through every night and can't be happier. If you're experiencing insomnia, please take a look at meditation. Just make sure that you're learning meditation and not just doing mindfulness like Emily was explaining. While mindfulness, of course, is very good for you, it's not going to remove the stress from the past, which is often what affects sleep long term. Of course, as always, every person is different. So if this is not your answer, please know there's many other natural solutions. Supplements can be very beneficial for a lot of people. If you're under a lot of stress, consider taking 300 milligrams of phosphatidylserine. I use a product called PS150. It lowers cortisol and helps balance the adrenal gland. Magnesium is another wonderful tool, and this mineral helps calm and relax the body. There are many forms of magnesium, and my favorite for sleep is glycinate. You could take anywhere from 300 to up to 600 milligrams of magnesium before bed. There are several herbs that could be beneficial like valerian root and lemon balm. Many people have found success with the synergistic formula called myosedate. GABA is another wonderful supplement. This helps sleep by increasing GABA levels, a calming neurotransmitter. If you take GABA, just keep in mind that it works best sublingually. So this just means that you have to hold it in your mouth for a few seconds before you swallow it. I have very good results with a liquid and a chewable form. I'll include all those links in the show notes. Now, if you already have GABA at home and it's in a capsule form, you could still use it. But to increase its effectiveness, what I'd recommend is open the capsule, pour the powder in your mouth and just hold it there for a few seconds. And then you could swallow it with a sip of water. If Amanda sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. My goal is to show you all the possible solutions and introduce you to the experts that can help so that you can be your own health advocate and help your body heal. Don't take no for an answer. When it comes to your health mysteries, don't give up. The answers are out there. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.